We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast, the post draft edition. Let's break it all down edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley, and I am joined today for one last ride by the Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Ross, how are you feeling knowing that this is it? This is it for you. Never again. Will you grace our presence on the microphone? Never again will you be on these airwaves. And I'm sure that's 100% accurate that we will never hear from you again. Uh, yeah, that might be a little bit of a, a reach or a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, definitely uh, will not be here every Tuesday morning uh, for all of you anymore. That is part of the new deal. And uh, yeah, that's... What is um? I had, I had to stick around. What's your What's your activity on Twitter going to be like? Is that still just going to be the same? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, right? Like, I would imagine um, the school wouldn't isn't going to be like thrilled if I'm just like, you know, rifling off all twenty two takes at ten o four a.m. You know, 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, then, then, then again, then again, what are the rest of us doing? You know, right. you know, and you could like, I could claim that they're all scheduled tweets, right? <laughs> yeah, they're scheduled. <laughs> I do the work at home, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is like these are the high traffic times. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we are we are breaking down the draft. They took thirteen guys. I did. They did it. We sat there going into day three. No way Brian takes nine. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. <laughs> and uh, I like what he did. I like what he did with the 13 uh, picks that he had. I, in fact, would go as far to say that I'm pretty thrilled. Pretty th- thrilled with this year's draft class. Um, and that's not – that hasn't been a normal feeling for Packers fans the last several years. I would say last year I was I was very happy with the class that they were able to put together. Um, I didn't really love the first round last year, what they did in the first round, but I loved everything else. I Man, I, it's hard to complain. Hard to find something to complain about with this year's group. Um, couple couple weird picks, but when you have thirteen, that's that's okay. Uh, Ross, what is you know before we dive into each of these picks and give our two cents, what what was your overall feeling? You know, leaving the draft Saturday evening. Uh, excitement. You know, um, like I I personally um, loved the draft. I, I think I had a, a tweet, and I'll, I'll just grab it. So. I kind of took like my rankings, right, and um, then assigned them to the Jimmy Johnson trade point. Like, so my 18th ranked player is worth as many points as the 18th pick according to the Jimmy Johnson trade chart. So, according to the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, the Packers had 2,378.4 points of draft capital, and the, they got 2,628 points worth of players. I didn't rank Clifford, Carlson, Nichols, or Dubose. Um, I would have, and, and this is easy to say, and, you know, like, okay, yeah, whatever. They took a guy and, you know, you're going to claim that you were high. I didn't get a chance to release due to this job change due to a number of factors, two kids under the age of three. I can make excuses all day long. Um, but even honestly, too, just the work that went into the success of my part of the success of the, uh, you know, Green Bay Draft Guide powered by Packer Report that really turned out to be an awesome resource for you guys that are listening, anybody that bought it. I mean, I hope my stuff was great, but Jake, your stuff led them, you know, you you led the cattle straight to water. So that was uh that was a big deal. But um I, I was because mostly because of you, honestly, like I was going to rank Grant DuBose. Um, and I would have pushed Anthony Johnson Jr., maybe not up to 90th, which is where PFF had him, but he was going to be a top 150 player for me. Um, and if you don't believe that, you know, you think I'm just saying that because they took him, go look at all of the drafts, uh, mock draft Mondays that I did where I picked Anthony Johnson Jr. in the fourth or fifth round. Um, obviously, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't feel that way about him as a player. So, um you know, they, they got way more value than I could have possibly asked for. And I didn't rank four of the guys that they took. You know, I, I, I didn't have a grade on four of the guys that they took. So 
Um, yeah, really incredible. Uh, just from a raw, you know, numbers standpoint, I can get into kind of the more deeper analysis, but just like, this is what I thought of how much they had available to them. And this is what they got in. You and I went back and forth in a group chat with a buddy of ours who played some college ball and, you know, kind of accused of being homers, but it's like, you know, we, we do publish our rankings before the draft. Like people know what we think of these players. So for us, it's kind of hard to, um, you know, lie or, you you know, it's hard for me to say that I love the Sean Clifford pick when he in there. It's hard for me to say that I love the Jaden Reed pick when I have him rank 65 spots lower than when they took him. Um, can we talk ourselves into some stuff? Sure. But it, it, it's hard to lie. Yeah. And it it's um, – it is. And – the other thing with all of that, and I had someone, you know, I was, I pointed out, I had a tweet just pointing out like, hey, in the last two drafts, there's been, I think it's nine tier one wide receivers and the Packers currently roster five of them. And someone point, someone, I don't think they understood what I was doing. And they're kind of like, you were basically just cherry picking and saying these are tier one guys just because the Packers took them. It's like, no, (laughs) it's like, it's the opposite, pal. Like this was, these tiers were established before the draft. I'm not just listing Packers receivers. I'm just telling you, these were the nine. The Packers have five of them. And if you didn't buy the draft guide last year, like get it, get it next year. You know, it's, we'll go through each pick here and I'll talk, we'll talk about the tiers that they're in as far as Packers fits. They're all very close to tier one if if they're tier two. And even Jaden Reed, we'll talk about that. He's actually a lot closer than than you would maybe guess just on the surface level. But let's let's get into these picks. And and the first guy well, and first I, guy up. Real quick, I want I wanna say, or you know, I, I don't know that you even have access to the 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 final numbers, but I think we doubled the sales of, of the guide this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just, I mean, a tremendous thank you is owed to the people that did support us and, and, and to all of you that are listening that bought a guide because you listened to the show. Thank you. Because, you know, that was, that was big time. And, uh, we are, are so happy with how the guide turned out. So happy with how it was received. And frankly, um, so happy with, uh, uh, you know, what, what you guys found out with it, which is that this guide is well thought out and well researched and does an awesome job of leading you guys to the players that the Packers might take and having you, you know, educated in that way. Yeah. And, and it's been really fun to, you know, getting the feedback from people that were just like, how did you know? It's like, well, I mean, you just, if you're a big enough dork, you can kind of look at some of the stuff that they've done in the past and, and draw those conclusions. And if you want to spend the hours upon hours of doing it, you can do that yourself or you can just buy the guide and let me do it for you. You know, that's kind of um, just where we're at. But yeah, uh, sales were 
you know, incredible. This is only year two for us, year three. I'm so excited to get into what we can do with that. Um, now that we, I feel like we really picked up steam in year two. Uh, so it's it's been awesome. Packers fans are absolutely wild about draft content. So, yeah, we do, uh, do really thank you guys. But getting into the, the picks, Russ, the picks. Um, obviously, pick 13 overall. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that they that they stood their ground at 13 and, and stuck, you know, stick and pick. And they took Lucas Van Ness, the edge out of Iowa. When the, when that pick first rolled in, Ross, my initial reaction, well, I was disappointed. It, not because I don't like Van Ness, not because I don't think Van Ness is a good football player. I, I do. I, I like Van Ness, and I think he's a good football player. He was, I think, the 24th overall player for us in the, in the guide. Um, so a little bit higher than what we would have liked him at. But premium position, premium athlete, young player. Um, I was mostly disappointed because I can't go back now and say like, oh, they didn't get JSN. He stinks. I still think Jackson Smith and Jig, but if you give me the reins, that's who I'm taking at 13. That is who I took. Um, and I still do a lot of the same stuff that I do the rest of the draft, but I do it with Smith and Jig. But with Van Ness himself, he was a – he was a tier two Packer, and the only thing he missed on, and so get this, so tier two, you know, I'm doing the hand quotations, the only thing he missed on and the only reason he was not a perfect prospect across the board is because the Packers really value um, broad jump for, for guys. You know, they, they value that explosiveness, especially from these guys like Van Ness that are big, long athletes, and so – what I've gathered, and I set the bar at 80 percentile broad jump. Van Ness, the only thing that he missed on is he's a 77th percentile broad jump player. So he is, you know, three percent percentile points away from being a tier one clean prospect. Um, so, you know, that is the gray area. He is like smack dab in it. And I think the Packers at a certain point are just like, whatever. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to mince over three percentile points, but um, he is someone that I think, you know, in five, three, four, five years, you could look back at this draft and very much be like, Hey man, we got the best edge rusher in this class. I, I would say, and I don't think it's unfair to say that I think Van Ness's ceiling is, is higher than Will Anderson's. I think Will Anderson is a really, really good football player. Um, but I don't know, what his ceiling looks like. He did not test as well as Van Ness did. Um, I thought going into this class, the two the two highest upside pass rushers in this class were Tyree Wilson and Lucas Van Ness. Um, so, Ross, give me your thoughts on that, uh, just kind of what your initial reaction was to the Van Ness pick. Um, and now, now that the whole picture is in front of us, just kind of how that became clear to you. Yeah, you know, I think some folks talk a little bit about uh, how, you know, Van Ness probably could have been had at 15. Why, why not maybe snake another pick out of the Jets and, and don't, you know, require the pick swap or, or maybe stay in the fifth round instead of having to knock back down to the sixth round, whatever, like all of that stuff. Guys, um, the Patriots had Van Ness in for a visit. To me, Van Ness <laughs> screams Belichick. Uh, I, I don't know for sure that the Patriots were going to take Van Ness, 
but it was on the menu, okay? And if this is the guy that Goody wanted, I'm good with it. I, I am. And, you know, he was a, a top 20 player for me. Again, this is going to sound convenient. He, he probably would have jumped a couple spots um, had I had a chance to to release a second one. Just looking um, at my rankings uh, where we didn't have a ton. Like, you know, he, he probably would have jumped in front of Quentin Johnston, who was going to take a little bit of a tumble down my rankings. Uh, he probably would have jumped uh, in front of Brian Brze, who was going to take a little bit of, of a tumble down my rankings. Uh, even in front of like a Miles Murphy, who was going to take a little bit of tumble down my rankings. But all in all, he, he basically got drafted where I thought he was valued for the Packers. And I thought Justice made a good point, Justice Mosqueda, right, that you can feel how you want about Jaden Reed. Um, and you can, you know, argue that they could have taken Cody, that they could have – got to forget who I'm talking to, Cody Mauk, <laughs> that they could have taken Branch. I would have just taken Branch. Um, you know, and that, that Jaden Reed could have been had whenever. Uh, but that's the guy they wanted, right? And so I am much I, – I, I very much believe that the – however you feel about the receiver they got, whether it's JSN, whether it's Kincaid, whoever at 13 or 15, wherever they would have been, however you want to look at that, they were not even getting close to an edge like Van Ness. Um, and, and, and they would have been in such a tougher position to get a real edge, in my opinion, if they would have waited. I, I think that would have been tough. Like JSN, and I'm, I'm just – it sounds like I'm – sort of slowing down here, but the point that I'm trying to make is I'm trying to get the uh, Wikipedia up here. So like Foskey and and even Foskey technically actually went before. So we're talking about Keon White, who I know is not a favorite of yours, Mm -hmm. uh, Jake. Um, Tuli Tupelotu from USC, who's fine. You know, I think he's fine. Um, but not even really in the same class as Van Ness, like at all. Uh, I guess depends on what you do with Drew Sanders. Depends on how you feel about Zach Harrison. Um, Depends on how you feel about Byron Young, but we're just talking about such a different class of, of edge rushers. Um, And the order that you did it, you, you got the legit like potential all pro prospect. I think that's a, 90th percentile outcome for him or an 85th percentile outcome for him. Like it's going to have to go really well, but I, Keon Waite's never going to be an all pro. I don't think um, Zach Harrison's never going to be an all pro. I don't think. And the difference between like Musgrave and Jaden Reed to JSN and Dalton Kincaid, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's considerable, right. You know, but um, not, not like the gap between. Yeah. Van Ness and the other edges. Well, it, it, absolutely. And you talk about 
that's exactly right. You, the the drop off from those edges is so stark compared to like what you're going to get with some of these wide receivers and tight ends, and especially in a class where the wide receivers were not really that good. I think we got enamored with JSN because he really was. I think he was the only first round wide receiver in this class. But you get into like the second, third, fourth rounds. I thought there was value to be had at wide receiver, and I thought they attacked that position really well. And they started it with 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 Jaden Reed. And some of this stuff comes out after the draft. Um, but with Jaden Reed, you know, he was a guy. He was our my twenty seventh ranked wide receiver, and he's someone that that doesn't mean I don't like him. I mean, I like a lot of these guys and the more you dig in on him and the more you look at like what he brought to the Michigan team and the more you go back and watch his 21 film, which is very good. And you see what he brings as a return specialist. Like that's all great. I still think they drafted him high, but I will also say, I think the Packers are really good at evaluating on wide receivers. And so if that's who they wanted and that's who they think is, is was the value at 50, then great. And mind you, Russ, they took – we go through all these tiers and blah, blah, blah. You know, they took him over uh, Rashid, Rashid Rice, who we all thought was a Packer through and through. Clearly yeah. not. You know, so that that's interesting to me. And, and then another – frankly, another well-run team took Rashid Rice five picks later. Yeah. Well – they have the Chiefs have not been great actually at evaluating wide receiver talent. If you go back and kind of look at the last four or five years, um, so that will be interesting to see how that's played out. And talking about teams that do do a good job with wide receiver, things that I've heard about Jaden Reed is the three teams that were biggest in on him were the Packers, were the 49ers, and were the Steelers. Those are three teams that draft the wide receiver position really well. And so if all three of those teams went through their filters and went through their evaluation process and said, this is a good football player, then I believe it. And I'm excited to watch them play. I, I remember like a month and a half ago, two months ago, you know, watching the Jaden Reed film. I thought like, hey, he's one of my he's one of my favorite like slot type options in this year's class. And frankly, I think I even said on this very podcast, I think Jaden Reed is like a a very discounted JSN when you watch the way that they win. I mean, I think they're both really intelligent route runners. I think they have juice after the catch. I think they attack the middle of the field really well. Um, the one thing that Reed does that JSN didn't is he's he's probably a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands. Um, but JSN's bigger than him. So, I mean, you, you go through all that stuff and uh, – I. You settle on, hey, he's a Packer now. That's the guy. You love what they did with their other picks. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to be. It's it is hard to be too upset with it. And with you know the tiering of the wide receivers, the only thing, the only thing that Jaden Reed misses on is he is so the 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 Packers prefer the receivers like north of one ninety five. And Reed, you know, I think he was 187 at the combine, 191 at his pro day. And he's already said he's above 195. So if that's the case, the only thing that's missing is he didn't run a three cone. And if he runs his three cone, then, and he runs it, you know, sub 7.08, he's a tier one backer. 
the thing with him though is he's cl- he's just so close on everything. But the th- the biggest thing with their receivers, and they did it with all three of them again this year, productivity. Like Reed's got two years of one thousand yard seasons. Um, Wicks has got one. The two thousand twenty one uh, year he went crazy. He's had a very so productive year. Man. Yeah, you go watch the UNC two thousand twenty one tape of uh, Dontavian Wicks and. It's some of the better wide receiver tape in this class. I mean, he was a dog in that game and really the entire year. And then Dubose is a guy, I believe he had uh, two, two 1,000 yard seasons at Charlotte. So another really productive kid. Uh, that's something they really value because you go back and look at their other wide receivers that they've taken and had success with. Jordy Nelson, super productive. Devontae Adams, super, super productive in college. Greg Jennings. Super productive. James Jones, super productive. So, like, that is something that factors into everything. Um, but when it comes down to it, I was a little bit disappointed with the Reed pick when that happened. But that's one that I've talked myself into pretty quickly. Um, now, something I did not need to talk myself into quickly was the Luke Musgrave pick. When And I thought they played that perfectly. Because you could have seen a path where the Packers got fidgety where they got anxious and they trade up for one of these tight ends, but they held their ground and Musgrave fell to them at 42. Um, He was our number one tight end in the guide this year, Ross, which a lot of people kind of raised their eyebrows about. And I get that. I do get that because I Kincaid was my tight end one. And a lot of us had different tight end ones. And what kind of happened in the guide for us this year is we all kind of had like a different favorite, but we all had Musgrave as like our two or three. And so his grade just across the board kind of wasn't dinged by anyone because everyone liked him. So he ended up being our tight end one. And then the Packers end up taking him. And And something that I thought was really interesting throughout this whole process is Packers fans kind of got enamored with, the, with Washington, right? The Georgia kid because he could run block. Because you're like, wow, this guy could be like an extra tackle on the field. And that's great. Like, don't get me wrong. That's cool. I would have been I would have been excited and happy uh, with Darnell Washington out of Georgia. But when you talk about just man, can can you be a, a day in day out factor in the passing game? I think Musgrave has as much potential, if not more, than any other tight end in this class. Now, potential gets coaches fired, right? And he's going to have to live up to it. And the tight end coach in Green Bay is going to be busy this year. But Ross, uh, talk to me about uh, Musgrave. I know you liked him. Kind of what did you see in this kid to, to make, I think, the 18th overall player on your board, right? Yeah, he's big time for me. And I just think, um, you know, I think he's like, if everything goes well for him, so my my basic comps and, and just to make this like as easy as possible for Packers fans, my basic comps for these last two tight ends that they took, if everything goes really well, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna couch this because I'm about to talk about two Hall of Famers. Okay, so I'm more talking about play style than maybe ceiling. Um, a lot be a lot to put on these two kids. But I think if everything goes really well for Musgrave, he's Jimmy Graham, not the version that the Packers got, the one with the Saints. And if everything goes really well for um, Tucker Craft, he's Gronk, right? Like that's that's kind of your play style 
comps for me. Um, I know athletically everybody wants to comp them to like Travis Kelsey. I think those are like pretty close RAS comps to those two. Um, and, and maybe Tucker, but Luke doesn't really have the yak right now or the tackle yeah. breaking. What he does have is he's just basically like an ocean of catch radius that runs a four, six. Um, I, I got into a few arguments about, you know, uh, tackle breaking and, and racks that like, he's not Hunter Lipke. He's not Josiah DeGuara. He's not suppose Irv Smith jr. Like he's not one of these fullback tight end hybrid H back guys that you throw, excuse me, that you throw the ball in the flat to, and you're just like, okay, make somebody miss, you know, that's not what he is. Um, will the Packers probably run some of their split zone, like fake stuff to him? Yeah, probably. Cause he's got burst and he's fast. Um, but the first guy that gets there is probably going to bring him down. With that said, Unbelievable, unbelievable ability to stretch the field vertically. That shows up, and and look, there's limited tape, right? Because he dealt with some injuries. But uh, like I kind of explained to people with Christian last year, just scout what he can do, and what he can do is beat people, especially safeties and linebackers and the other kind of folks that you would try to, you know have him run like run with him and so uh that's what, what really stuck out to me with musgrave is just like this there's no will linebacker that can run with this guy or not at least not one that's tall enough or big enough or strong enough to win a jump ball against him um i i just think he's a tremendous a, a tremendous matchup problem and and a real real space alien type athlete We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover 
for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, and I mean, in a lot of ways, he is, I think people have brought this up, he is like the Christian Watson prospect of tight ends. And you look at him, and I and you're right, because he's not a guy like, he doesn't have that wiggle that Kelsey has. He just doesn't. He is a little bit more linear. I'm not saying he's a linear athlete, but like the way you want to use him is probably kind of linear because, man, he is a freight train running down the scene. And safeties can't jump with him. They can't play in the same airspace as him. And linebackers can't run with him. So what you have to do is a lot of times you're going to have to bracket him and and uh, you know, you're going to have to basically assign two defenders to him. And if you don't, you're going to have to play him scared. And then he he cuts his route off at 12, 15 yards and he's massive and you throw the ball in his direction. He catches it. I mean, it's just, that's what Jimmy Graham basically made a killing off of doing. And he can, I think I love that comp because that is kind of who he has to be. I don't care if he learns how to block. I really don't. I think that's so overrated. And I think they're going to, you know, if he, if he wants to learn how to block, that's great. That's fine. And dandy, uh, I don't think the Packers really care that much about him being able to do it specifically. And I think that's kind of why they paired Kraft with him. And And we're going to get out of order here a little bit, but that's fine. I think it's I think it would make more sense to talk about Kraft now, too. Uh, sure. The other tight end that they took, um, which I guess really isn't out of order anyways. But I, I'll just – I'll say this, Ross. It took me all of – people that listen to the podcast know that we cover and uh, – we cover North Dakota State. We are passionate about that program. And Tucker Craft was an absolute pain in the ass. Menace. The last four years. Menace. And he's someone, and I said this to Andy, uh, you know, the night of whenever they took him, just as a, a fan, you know, as someone that has to look at the South Dakota State Jackrabbits and say, okay, how, how can North Dakota State beat them? Craft was always more of an issue to me than Goddard was. And that's not taking anything away from Dallas Goddard. It's just with Goddard, you knew exactly what he was going to do. He was a big slot. Essentially. He was a big receiver for South Dakota yeah. state when he was there craft. You, you had to worry about him in every phase of the game. Yes. Like, Hey, they could, they could just cram the ball down our throat 30 times. And they did basically with him as, as, as a key blocker, or they can split him out. And you have no answers for him in, in, the, in the defensive backfield or linebacker either. So uh, he's another guy that, man, like he he might be even more of a mis, mismatch uh, issue than Musgrave is when it's all said and done. And I think it was, shoot, what was his name? Uh, I think Nate Tice, was that who it was? Who was saying like the two, the two tight ends I was most bullish about in this year's draft class were – Musgrave and Kraft and the Packers ended up going and get both of them right? Uh, just because you look at the upside that both of them provide to this team. Um, it will be interesting though, just because I think we do have to temper our expectations a bit just because they're tight ends and those guys take, they take a minute to develop. And I, I don't think either of them are necessarily ready to play right away. And in a certain way, 
I think Musgrave actually might be a, a quicker contributor because I think he's going to be more of just a receiver right away. I think they're going to ask Kraft to maybe do a little bit more. Uh, but uh, Tucker Kraft, Ross, uh, as a North Dakota State fan who now gets to watch this man play in green and gold, a color that I think looks better on him personally. Um, what is what is kind of what was your kind of thought, you know, about him and having to cover essentially cover him being in the Missouri Valley Conference the last several years? Um, what was your initial reaction when they made the pick and and once it settled in? I mean, how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, like the first thing he said was, like, "You know, I have to learn to rep that green and gold." I was like, "Boy, I bet that was hard to spit out." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I I really like uh, Tucker. Obviously, as a player, um, top one hundred guy for me. And you're right. Uh, as much as I, I I you know didn't love uh, everything that they had to do to, to game plan for Dallas Goddard. Tucker was scarier. He was more of a problem because he can come down and block a six tech defensive end. You know what I mean? He can, um, uh, you know, force broken tackles. Uh, Dallas was a very, 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 very good player and a good prospect coming out of South Dakota state. He has become immeasurably more physical uh, it, with, during his time with the Eagles. And, and I, I hope nobody thinks that I'm, you know, down on him or, or, or trying to make excuses or, or trying to prop up Tucker Kraft. But I mean, what you said is just right. Like it, it just was a different thing um, with, with uh, uh, Tucker. Uh, he, he, he just does so much more of the, um, you know, like he just does so much more of the dirty work um, and, and is more of that traditional great tight end. And what I mean by that is the guys that you love now, right? The Travis Kelsey's, the George Kittles, um, even, even, you know, more recently it's like Gronk. They, they're big, you know, but they're not six, seven. Um, they're not Jimmy Graham. They're not, just jump ball winners or seam guys. They're six five. They'll block your ass off. Uh, they'll they'll catch a five yard out, run two guys over, and and it's a twenty you know twenty yard first down. Um, that's more of what Tucker does than probably what Musgrave does, and that's fine and that's good. I mean, I think he is the more well rounded of the two players. Right. And and I think that is what is exciting about both those guys. And and honestly, I think Musgrave, they talked about him as a blocker, and they're like, we think he can block in line. And, and that could be the case. And I think we talked about Dallas Goddard, too, because Musgrave actually reminds me of him a little bit when you talk about the South Dakota State kids where Oregon State was just kind of like, we don't care if he blocks. Like we, we're not going to ask him to because we've got this six six alien that we're just going to throw the ball to. So I think so much can change when these guys come to the NFL, and I think that's why it's so hard to evaluate the tight end position as a whole. And I always kind of when people are like, "Oh, you can't take that tight end. He doesn't block. He can't block." I, I don't know. We've seen too many tight ends be able to come into the league and, and turn themselves into really good blockers. Dallas Goddard is a great example of that. Like, he did not block at South Dakota State. He's a very good blocking tight end in the NFL right now. It yeah. can happen. Yep. You know, so it, it really is just a willingness type of thing. Um, I think we had 
Uh, we had Kraft as like oh, 68 overall, and they got him at, what, 78 overall. So I thought that was a really good value pick. Um, in the fourth round, someone – and I think – let's talk about both the defenders, the defense, the front seven guys they took because I think you can kind of look at with all three of these guys that they took, kind of the the what they were going for here. All three of these guys, as in Lucas Van Nesk, Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden out of Auburn, and then Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green. They're all versatile guys that uh, can play multiple positions in your, in your front. Uh, sub-package rushers, base defenders in, in, a, ver- in a variety of ways. Um, but Colby Wooden is someone that when he played inside at Auburn, I think what was the stat? Like in 2021, he led the SEC in interior pressures. And the SEC, that is a conference that had uh, Devontae Wyatt in it. It had Jalen Carter in it. You know, so it's not like he was doing it in a MAC program. He is a guy that is extremely disruptive uh, when you turn on the tape and you watch him. Uh, but Ross, what what are your initial reactions to the Colby Wooden pick and and kind of? You know, we talk about Carl Brooks as well and just kind of what they're maybe trying to brew up in Green Bay with that front and and maybe add some versatility uh, to that defense. Yeah, one thing I will say, uh, I, I don't think that this draft will or should, frankly, uh, get folks excited about the run defense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this tra- This draft to me – was just more of like we're designing this thing to kill quarterbacks, which is fine, um, but juice, man. Um, like Lucas has juice, and actually, if you line Lucas up at, on the edge at six five two seventy two, he's going to help your run defense. Um, but on the interior, right, like Colby Wooden is sort of that exact same size, um, yeah. uh, and 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 uh, Carl isn't particular particularly enormous either um and and Car- brooks is bigger but he doesn't play that way you know right, what i mean like right. he, yeah no these guys have juice and and you know i i talked about upfield disruption all the things and to some degree and this is my opinion you know uh, i you know I, there's not a a ton of like the the spider garvin of it all the tipa of it all the frank zombo of it all the eric walden of it all Guys that just sort of exist there. Like Green Bay has legitimate dudes that are going to get up the field, I think, in Wyatt, in Clark, uh, in Brooks, in Wooden, and then out on the edge in Van Ness and Gary and Enik Barre. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, there's guys like like Quay that, that can come downhill and, um, you know, one-year deal on, on uh, Justin Hollins and, Probably a one-year deal here on Preston Smith, and uh, but but I'm talking about seven, eight, nine guys that can go uh, on third down, and and there might be more problems on first down than than we'd like to admit. I think uh, Jonathan Ford's going to have to take a really big step forward, uh, or you know TJ Slayton is going to have to be just a war daddy. <laughs> one of those one of those two things is going to have to happen. One of the guys I actually do like is Chris Slayton, uh S L A Y T O N and I I have a little bit of hope that he can maybe be part of the answer to who is the other defensive lineman that can 
just hold up a little bit uh, against the run besides Clark and Slayton because if it's just Clark and Slayton and Clark and Slayton and Clark and Slayton, they're going to either wear down or get hurt or both. And, you know, people talk about how it's always so easy to find people in the run game. Like, not easy, but, you know, like, hey, if you're looking for something in, you know, run defense or in your defensive lineman, I'm butchering this, but the easier thing to find is the ability to come in and find a guy that can play the run. But the Packers just have never really employed those guys right like they just have like okay yeah it's easy we can go find one but we're uh we don't care and and that's just kind of how they've operated and you know we'll see if that's actually something that does come back to bite them because i think they on defense they really don't care if you want to run the ball on first down they'll give you four yards i think their whole defense is set up to be let's get teams in third and long and let's go hunt and you know it's it's kind of worked sometimes and other times it gets really frustrating to watch teams that say, Hey, well, we're going to counter that with saying, screw you. We'll take our four yards every play and we'll have 18 play drives that take 12 minutes off the clock. How often did we see that last year? It seemed like a weekly occurrence that teams were just able to do that. So, um, you know, we're, we will see. We'll see. Um, and, and like I think you said it best, the the J.J. Fords of the worlds and the T.J. Slaytons of the world need to step up. The Devontae Wyatts of the world, uh, Kenny Clark, all those guys. I mean, they've got guys like, that should be two-way defenders that can, can do that. But uh, we'll see, and we'll see if it matters, if it even matters for the team this year. Uh, but they are building a, a defense to do a, a thing, and that is, like you said, that is – get after the quarterback. Uh, the next pick I think was, or the pick, uh, one of the other fifth round guys that I think was a, an absolute head scratcher was, was Sean Clifford, the quarterback out of Penn state. Um, the only positive thing I'll say about this, when they brought him in for a visit, um, I asked around um, and kind of the response I got from people was he's not, he shouldn't get drafted. Well, here we are. He did, but he's going to stick on an NFL roster because he is. And what someone said to me is, and I quote, he is one of the smartest football minds in this class. And I think when you, when you break it down that way and people push back and like, well, if you're drafting a coach, why don't you just get another coach? And yeah, to that, I would say I I get what you, I get where you're coming from, but also I think a lot of people and, and especially people that just tune in on Sundays, maybe don't, really understand what the what the role of a good backup quarterback is in the NFL and it's typically not to come in and play. Yeah, I think the the famous quote from Indianapolis is we don't practice eft. You know, <laughs> like if Peyton goes down, we don't practice that. But they had guys behind him that would help install the game plan that would uh, be a different, you know, a sounding board in there, whatever it is. And the Packers have a young quarterback that's going to be starting in Jordan Love. Now, I would have preferred if they were going to go this route with kind of like, hey, let's get a brain in the room. I would have preferred that they shell out some money and bring in someone like Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan. But they did. They picked uh, Clifford, Sean Clifford, who has a really high RAS score. He's almost a tier one packer as far as uh, wide receiver goes. <laughs> and so, that, you know, that's. 
that that's not nothing. He he's a really good athlete, and as your backup quarterback, if if he has to come into a game and get you out of a game, he's got some juice in his legs that he can create that way. I I don't know. Uh, it was a head scratcher as a pick because Ross, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. How was your? What was your? I know you uh, said some things similar to that on Twitter when the pick was made. Have you warmed up to it at all, or are you still just kind of like, well, they took him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was really annoyed, but I'm a big Tanner McKee fan, uh, and he was still on the board. In fact, the Eagles took him later. Uh, I really like Tanner McKee. Uh, I mentioned, I think, starting in the fourth round, I would have been fine with them taking him as a potential you know, competitor to Jordan Love, probably not this season, but, you know, if things went poorly next this year or and they were already in a fifth-year option type situation or even just as a backup, I, I just really – I Tanner McKee was in my top 50. Uh, I, I really liked his game. And they, you know, I ranked 301 players. Sean Clifford was not one of them. Uh, and so that kind of tells you what I thought of him. I think he's technically older than Jordan Love. <laughs> So, he is, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, and, and obviously had Jahan Dotson to work with, had Parker Washington to work with, like had guys, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't see it, you know. Um, but we'll see. Held, uh, held off. I think, and one of the biggest notches in his belt was he held off uh, Levis. Right. He, yeah. That was yep. that's why that's why Will Levis had to transfer out of Penn State. And I think that speaks to, you know, the coaches love Clifford. They loved him. They they thought he was a smart kid and he's someone that you would trust to go out there and play for you in big time football games. But, you know, when you watch him, when you when I watched the Parker Washington tape, the, the wide receiver out of Penn State, uh, one of my notes is just basically like he had Sean Clifford throwing him the ball. Like, I don't know how good he is. And so that's, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see. I think uh, this was I think this was a Matt LaFleur pick. I think he liked him. And you hear him talk about him, and he thinks he can be an NFL quarterback. So uh, cr- crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I literally, I mean, I think someone pointed out, like, hey, when Matt Flynn was taken in the seventh round out of LSU, this is kind of how we felt to an extent. You were just like, yeah. He's a guy, and uh, I think a lot of the similar characteristics of the intelligence, the kind of the gamer type type deal. Um, and if he has a Matt Flynn type of career, that it would be a slam dunk, home run, fifth round pick. But uh, a lot has to happen before before any of that. Uh, moving on to uh, what might have been Ross, my favorite pick of the entire draft was round five pick 159 Dontavion Wicks one of hashtag my guys um and if you don't know what that means we before the draft every year we pick we pick a we pick a handful of guys that we just love and we call them my guys and Dontavion Wicks is a my guy through and through uh someone that if you turn on the 2022 tape there's glimpses of it you still see that guy in there, but man, you turn on the 21 tape and we've already talked about it. He is an absolute filthy dog all of 2021. Uh, he is a, a very, very natural mover, easy mover. He's not a top tier speed type guy, um, but when you watch him, I mean, he glides across the football field and he is chiseled out of granite. You look at this guy and he looks, he's got an NFL ready body. 
Um, he and he's he's a physical guy with some juice uh, after the catch. I think he can play outside. I think he can play inside. He will block. Um, he will get after it in the run game. He is a hoss to get to the, to get to the ground. Someone that I, I said this and I got some pushback and. It's because I compared him. I was like, he, he reminds me of like Jamon Moore coming out of Missouri, but I think he, I think he has it between the ears more than Jamon did, and I think he's going to be able to come in and actually adjust to the NFL and the NFL offense because uh, with Virginia, they, I mean, I think their whole coaching staff was cleaned out offensively, and a lot of those guys struggled the next year. Guys that had good junior years did not have great senior years, and so uh, that factors into it. Uh, drops drops were a thing, and Ross, I think you put it best. Don't come to me with drops. <laughs> if if if, uh, if you if we remember anything about Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, James Jones, those guys all struggled with drops early in their career. Uh, Christian Watson struggled with drops last year. It's just it it is what it is. It, receivers are going to drop some passes. Uh, they'll go through phases, but you watch Wicks. He does not fight the ball like with some receivers. Like like MVS is a, is a really good example of this. He he struggles with drops, and he he's just not a natural catcher of the football. In in some degrees, Christian Watson is a little bit like that. He's not always like the most natural catcher of the football, and he can fight the football sometimes. I don't see that with Wicks. I see a guy with uh, – I think Wicks had like the biggest hands in this class, like almost 11-inch hands. And when that ball gets to his hands, I mean, he just engulfs it. And so I think it just was a lot of concentration stuff and maybe even a little bit of the yips. When you drop one, then you drop two, and then you're like, oh, my God, I've dropped two. And then you drop a third one. So it can happen, but – uh, Ross, what? Uh, give me your initial reactions on the Wicks pick, uh, who went out and made a grown man decision and picked number thirteen to wear as well, which is which is just thrilling for all of us involved. Uh, but how do you feel about my guy, Don Chavion Wicks? I'm really excited about it. You know, you can it's it's easy. Uh, you can just go and look at. My rankings on uh, our la- or excuse me, not our lads, fan speak, uh, where uh, you could have drafted using my board, and you'll see that I have Dontavian Wicks ranked higher than Jaden Reed. <laughs> so same that same. that can kind of tell you you know how I feel. Uh, I just just very very impressed uh, with him as a player. Give him a James Jones comp. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, it's, you know, with that lack of like super, super high end speed. Um, but boy, the explosiveness, the agilities, uh, and just his, his, the way he plays ball, man. Like, I, I, I just think he's good. Um, I, I do think that there's a ceiling kind of for him as there was with James Jones. Like I, I don't, I don't think you want Dontavion to be your number one, but man, as a guy that might not like get ever the best, the opposing team's best corner as a guy that might not ever get double teamed. I think he's just going to rake. Like I think he's yeah. just, he's just going to hit singles and doubles 
forever. Uh, I'm really, really excited about, you know, him as kind of like a, a wide receiver three uh, teamed up with um, Dubs and Watson, man. I, I really am. And, and if Jaden Reed turns out great, I, I, yeah, I think that's certainly out there. <laughs> I think it could well, happen. Um, and they're building, they're building their, you know, you talk about like James Jones and I think it's interesting to even look at that wide receiver group because they're building a group that's similar to it because they didn't have, you know, like Jordy was awesome. We love Jordy, but I think Jordy was, was a little bit of a product of Aaron Rodgers, right. And, and he had all that stuff and he was a great player. And I think he was also a product of the fact that they had like five guys that could just play. You know, and maybe none of them were true. Like, hey, you can run the offense through this guy, like you could with Devontae. They just had four or five guys with, you know, Jordy, a young yeah. Devontae, Cobb, you know, Jennings when he was older, Jones. And I think they're getting to that now, too, where it's like, hey, I think they're going to lean on Christian this year. They're they're going to put a lot of eggs in that basket and be like, hey, you're you're our number one. Like, you're going to have to go up there and and carry the banner for us. And then beyond that. You got Dubs, who we think is a really good football player. We've got all these young guys, and we'll see who rises up to the top. And best case scenario is you have five, six guys that can go out, and when they're seeing a team's third, fourth, fifth corner across from them, they're going to win that rep just because they have so much depth there. And I think that is the exciting thing about this. And it makes sense if you think about it too, Ross, because what did they do when Aaron Rodgers took the reins? They gave them a bunch of weapons like that. Those were yeah. the best teams they had. So it, it's not it's not crazy to think that, like, well, we did that with Aaron. Let's do it with Jordan, too. Let's and just then, give him yeah, a bunch of guys. Other, and then Aaron got expensive, and then other teams paid the weapons is, is kind yeah. of the, the answer to that. Yep. And, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I'm, I'm excited about the prospect of that. I'm excited that they added tight ends to the mix this year, too. Uh, so – uh, that is fun. Where are we at with picks? I know we've been talking for a long time. We talked about Carl Brooks. Do you have any Anders Carlson takes? I hope Basachi is really good at his job. Um, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Uh, I hope the ACL stuff and the shoulder stuff is real. Um, I don't love that our GM said, well, we have to keep him healthy. That's It's a kicker? What are it's we even talking about here? Yeah. But uh, I think he can get fig- figured out maybe. I don't know. Uh, but but kickers are kind of I don't know kickers you kind of figure out week to week I guess uh, it went, the Packers haven't had to do that with Mason Crosby but you just never know when a guy catches on you know like for example his brother Daniel Carlson disastrous start with the Vikings and then all of a sudden he's extremely extremely reliable I, I think you can kind of figure it out and, and Green Bay certainly isn't one of those teams that you know, is, is snake bit or anything like that. Um, I remember the Dave Rayner years. I remember, you know, the kind of the gap between Longwell and Crosby. But if you even go back and look at some of those seasons, like they weren't terrible. No. Well, I think it was just Dave Rayner. <laughs> like that was it. it been. They had him. And yeah. uh, I was at the Vikings game where he hit the game winner and he was fine. You know, he was fine. Um, but then they took Crosby and the rest is history. Right. Uh, So we'll see with Carlson. And I think for, you know, pick 207 uh, with two kickers already off the board that they probably would have liked to take, uh, whatever, take them, add some competition. Uh, You know you've got four seventh-round picks coming up. And, Ross, I cannot 
remember a more exciting seventh round than than what the Packers just did with their four picks that they had. Um, I know, you know, uh, in the in the group chat, the Packer report group chat, I, I knew that the Packers have, they liked Carrington Valentine, and so I think it was like pick. I think it was the Wicks pick or maybe the Clifford pick. I was like, I thought that's kind of the range he was going to go in. I was like, hey, like that's a name to keep an eye on here. And then they ended up taking him like 100 picks later. So I think in the seventh round at pick 232, uh, Carrington Valentine is – he's a ball of clay is what he is. He's he's someone that has, you know, tier one athleticism at the position, uh, but it's inconsistent. And there are there are times where you look at him and you watch him play and you're like, this is the top 100 pick. And then there are other times you watch him play and you're like, he's going to be a UDFA. And it's interesting because in the Bob McGinn article about corners, like the two scouts that he talked to essentially said just that. They're like, we love him, top 100. And the other scout was like, he stinks. <laughs> and so uh, it's it'll be interesting. But, you know, he might, you know, seventh round pick, I say it all like that's your lottery. He's a lottery ticket, lottery ticket type kid. Where if you hit on him, he could be a legitimate starting outside corner in the NFL. He could. Well, it's funny because he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kadar Holman, and it's like this guy could be a really good press corner. And all I can think of is we don't play any press. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it that's very true. <laughs> it's very true. So and maybe they'll start to more. I don't know. But yeah. uh it could also just be a Basaccia guy too, where he's right. like, hey, uh big, fast, okay, give him to me. You know, and that could just be one of the things as well. Um Lou Nichols the third is an interesting pick for the Packers. I think he led uh you know the FBS in, in rushing yards two years ago. Right. And he's he's, he's a, another go back to twenty twenty one guy. Yep. And uh, which I haven't – I actually haven't watched a ton of him. You did the running backs this year. Is he someone that stuck out to you at all when you were watching these guys? No. I didn't rank him. Nope. I didn't rank him. Did you uh, watch him? You watched him, right? I don't think so, or I would have ranked him. Huh. Well, I would have ranked that's, him that's, low. Way to go, Swanson. You know, that's some of fun. it has to – some of it has to do, you know, with like uh, the – just – fact that all the production was 2021 production but i i didn't rank him and and now i think he's another one of those hey go back and look at 2021 guys yeah and i i'm not going to say sit here and claim that i know much about him but from what i've seen he's just uh he looks like an nfl player and he looks like a guy that could be your third running back and uh, play some special teams and take some carries like i don't think he has like any special, special traits that you would say, like even like, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the guy everyone points to now as like a seventh round running back. Like he doesn't have the four, three speed at that size. He's really not, you know, he's not like the long speed type guy. He's, he's actually, he's an above average athlete, um, but we'll see. He'll be a fun guy to kind of watch, you know, pick 235 uh, to throw in there with your holdovers in Goodson and Taylor and see who rises to the top. I think that is very much a, Hey, throw, throw some competition in that room and, and, and let's keep this thing churning. Uh, the next, the next two picks absolutely sent me, sent me picks 242 and 256 um, was one was a, my guy 
And the other one was damn near close to being a my guy for me. And that's uh, round seven, pick 242, Anthony Johnson Jr., the uh, safety out of Iowa State. No business being there. Zero business. In this safety class that wasn't very good, he stands out as someone that, one, can play special teams, can play, can start for you. Like th- this guy might start at safety for the Packers this year as an opening day starter at pick 242. They gave him number 36, uh, which isn't nothing. I know they gave Vernon Scott number 36 as well, who was also a seventh round safety, but it feels different. Uh, the Anthony Johnson pick, Anthony Johnson Jr. pick feels a lot different than the Vernon Scott pick. For, Anthony uh, Johnson uh, Jr. is good. Yes, that's that's what I was just and he's he's a five year starter. Like he he showed up at Iowa State and immediately started, played a ton of football for them. At corner. Played corner. Yeah, played corner for four years. They moved him to safety this last year and he looked better. And he's someone that's still gonna be learning that safety position. Uh he's man, he's that's an exciting pick at two forty two. Uh so I'm you know, you watch him play. And he is one of the true guys in this class that I thought had legit range on the back end. I mean, he's a low four five guy, but I think he's a nine Raz guy, and he's someone that will run the alley and hit. He can corner. He's got. Uh, he can. Uh, he can turn his hips and run. Uh, he's got great, you know, change of direction ability. He only two interceptions in his career, and they both came last year when he was playing safety. Um, I think someone said in his career at Iowa State, he played. Uh, and he had a diff- he had a different defensive coordinator every single year he was there. So that's not nothing either. Um, the fact that he was kind of able to weather that storm, and he's also someone that the more you dig on him, the more you find out that he is a pretty incredible young man too. Uh, his his personality, uh, the way he carries himself in the locker room, like they at Ames, they speak very highly of him. Um, and not only as a player, but as a person. So that's that's fu- always fun. Uh, easy, easy guy to root for. So uh, that one's going to be really cool. And speaking of easy guys to root for, uh, when they took – so Grant, Grant DeBose was uh, – I mean, he's a tier one packer, and he's someone that I've been kind of banging the drum for. And I'm not alone. I am not alone banging the drum for Grant DeBose, our, our pal Mike Renner, a uh, big fan of him. Todd said he's his favorite day three wide receiver, and he's up there for me as far as those types of guys. I I actually gave Debose a great a James Jones comp. Like that's who that's who I think he is. So uh, they got two kind of James Jones esque type players because I think both of them are you know physical physical guys. Uh, Debose is someone that plays with an attitude, plays with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he is he is not afraid to chirp at guys. He is not afraid of you, no matter where you're from. Uh, you watch the Maryland tape against two NFL corners, and uh, he played very well. And Maryland knew exactly who they had to stop. Uh, the scouting report is not was not a mystery when you played Charlotte. You know, you say, hey, number 14, the wide receiver, we got to make sure he doesn't get his against us. And he still went out and did it. So he's a guy that, you know, he's kind of one of those, um, you know, someone that maybe didn't separate a ton, uh, but he like has a, a dog mentality with the ball in the air and does a really good job of tracking the ball. I think he's got really great flexibility um, in his lower half to kind of twist and contort and make some of those 
high point catches, uh, very natural hands as well, did not struggle with drops. Uh, and uh, you look at him, it's coming from Charlotte. He, he's probably got room to grow uh, as a player, as a as a physical specimen, all that stuff. So he is someone that, hey, you got like with the, the final 10 picks of the draft, and he's someone that, I don't, you know, he's obviously going to be fighting for a roster spot just because of where he was picked. But, you know, there's a lot to be excited about with him, especially in a class that these were not the best. This was not the best wide receiver class. And they went out and kind of got the guys that were Packers guys. They got two out of the five that were there this year. um, As tier one type dude. So it it is exciting. And Ross, um, you said you have, have you watched any of uh, DeBose yet at all? Um, oh yeah, for one. sure. And and like I said on Twitter, I I know it sounds convenient, you know, when I talk about well, I would have had ranked him higher, or I sh- you know would have could have shit on the guys that the Packers actually take. It makes me sound like a homer, but I really would have ranked him higher because you led me to watch him. Our guide, reading our guide, led me to watch him, and and I I really like him. Um, I, I think. You know, you talk about James Jones. There's another very mid-major um, receiver, and the Packers have done it great with mid-major receivers. Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Um, uh, Devontae Adams, Fresno State. Uh, James Jones, San Jose State. Greg Jennings, Western Michigan. I'm not saying, you know, Grant DeBose, Charlotte <laughs> necessarily, but, like, They've done a great job with these mid-major wide receivers, and I just think they've built such a wonderful and diverse group of pass catchers. Now they got a hit, you know, but um, I, I really think you know you have slot weapons in Jaden Reed and Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave. I think you got an inline weapon, a real inline weapon in Tucker. Christ. I think so. Ross is recording with his daughter right now, and I'm pretty sure Ber- I'm pretty sure Berkeley just muted you. Okay, where I can start. You that. were saying you've got inline, you've got in, uh, you've got uh, slot options. Christian Watson, you've got Dobbs, you've got a real. You stopped at inline threat at Tucker Craft. Right, right. So, like, I think your interior options I'm, I'm, are are. And uh, right here. Oh, hi, Berkeley. I think your interior options are, uh, you know, Watson is is a big time, big slot candidate. I think Jaden Reed, obviously, I think Musgrave. Um, Then you got Tucker Craft as your real true, I think, Y threat, uh, along with Tyler Davis. I'm not so excited about Tyler Davis. And then on the outside, I think you've got these real legitimate dudes in Dubs, Wicks, and DuBose that are going to – you know, if two of the three hit, then great. You got two of the three because obviously we know Watson is also a threat outside. He is not just a slot receiver. He just happens to be an outside receiver who's really, really effective from the slot position. And um, I, I think, like I said, DuBose is just another one of those guys. DuBose, Wicks, and Hadubs. That's going to be really fun to watch on the outside as they sort of cycle through these other interior threats. Yeah, and they haven't had ta- – they just – I mean, they just have not had general talent like this at the wide receiver position in some time. And talent, it has to be realized, all that stuff, I get it. 
but it just adds to the intrigue of the season that will be 2023 and a season that Ross will uh, be covering in a roundabout way by talking to me and I'll talk to you guys about what Ross said uh, because this like this is Ross's uh, last appearance on the Pack a Day podcast as a full-time contributor. Ross, I know the people uh, I'll speak for them by, by thanking you for your contributions. Um, I've obviously always enjoyed our conversations that we've had and uh, the insight that you provide to covering the Packers. Um, and we wish you well in your next endeavor. And, uh, you always have, you, you always have an open invitation to, uh, hop on and, and talk ball whenever you want. Uh, but that, that will do it for us. Um, I'll catch you guys next week. I think it's going to be, I'm not sure yet. I think it'll be Westendorf and I, uh, picking up the mantle and carrying it from there, but, uh, that'll be good. I gotta too. go for a little bit. I gotta go for a little bit. You gotta go for a little bit. I gotta talk. Oh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I can't just let you send me off like that. Although okay. I do appreciate it all. Um, Cause I've got some things, you know, to say, uh, you know, people that I'm not married to, you're probably top three or four uh, as far as humans that I talk to throughout the week. And um, without the pack a day podcast, I'm not so sure that would happen. So this has been an incredible place. Um, I kind of already had to deal with Jacob Westendorf in and around my life before this. Um, <laughs> But but truly, and I think a lot of people end up saying this just because of the conversational nature. Like, I love creating clips. I love writing. I love a lot of it. But this is my favorite medium. Uh, when I had the show with Gilbert, this show from the benches, uh, even the, 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 the draft show that I did with, uh, with Jacob and, and Cody Bauer, um, podcasting, talking, broadcasting, getting my own radio show, doing things of this nature, this is always my favorite. And um, the Packers really were my first love as much as you and I love the North Dakota State stuff. Like I love talking about the Green Bay Packers and I hope that kind of shown through um, and, and man, I uh, just appreciate every one of you that interacts with me online, that follows me on Twitter, that listens to this show. Um, you can hear my daughter in the background and, and uh, <laughs> that's uh you know, that's what we're doing this for. That's that's why I'm no longer going to be here is because these you precious have, precious moments from 5 p.m. to when everybody goes to bed are, are just going to be a little bit too valuable for me. Um, I'll try to make time for, for, for you guys uh, during the day, but uh, this has been awesome, and thank all of you, and thank you, Jacob. Well said. Well said. All right. And with that said, uh, we'll catch you guys next time or whenever the next time is. It's not a, like as Aaron Rodgers said, it's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. It's like a Jay-Z moment uh, or a Jordan, Michael Jordan moment. Ross is going to come back wearing that number 45, probably who knows when, but at some point. But uh, we'll catch you then. And until then, go Pack up.